1: where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash wonderypod or text WONDERYPOD to 500, 500. That's audible.com slash WONDERYPOD or text pod to five hundred five hundred. Welcome to the Nerds
2: Podcast number 907. This episode brought to you by Loot Crate. Hey, you know, listen, maybe you want to be the envy of your friends. You want to get 100% exclusive crates at LootCrate.com slash Nerdist. And then enter the code Nerdist to save 10% off any new subscription. October's Loot Crate theme is mythical. Um, This is epic gear, housewares, collectibles, uh, things you can wear, anything. It's a surprise. But you know it's coming. You know it's worth more than the less than $20 a month you're going to spend on it. Um, Monthly wearables and accessories with cult classics and your favorite franchises. So, uh... Offer expires October 19th, 9 p.m. Pacific. You hear the stories, you hear the whispers, the creatures, beings beyond imagination, Let us peer into the shadows together for mythical October's Loot Crate theme. Uh, You're going to get stuff from Marvel, Ghostbusters, Stranger Things, Buffy. One lucky subscriber will win a mega crate of seriously epic proportions. Uh, Again, you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. to subscribe. That's Pacific time. Go to LootCrate.com. Enter the offer code NERDIS. Save 10% off any new subscription. Um, Let's go to the Nerdist Community corkboard. Brandon writes, a longtime friend of mine and I recently started a puppet comedy called Holy Baloney about two dudes who work in a sandwich shop. Very autobiographical. And there's a little smiley emoticon. We post 60-second shorts on our Instagram and archive uh, on our YouTube channel, looking to extend our reach for viewership. Give a gander if you've got a free moment to like or uh, or scratch your head. Find us on Instagram at Doki, D-O-K-I underscore, D-O-K-I underscore fun. Also, just a reminder, Best Friends Animal society Strut Your Mutt coming up in October. Uh, they brought back Team Nerdist. This is a dog walk fundraiser that also includes photo booths, food trucks, free goodies, and much, much more. We have Team Nerdist in the past, uh, and they are always a lot of fun. We're hoping to raise even more money for homeless pets this year. This year's LA event is October 21st at Exposition Park. Uh, We'd love to have you come out and strut your mutt with us. Uh, Or if you can't make it, you can always donate to our team. All the money from the team participants uh, and donations goes to helping save homeless animals. Visit nerdi.st. That's the Nerdist uh, URL shortener slash strut your mutt 2017 uh there you go Uh, to find out more info join the team donate go to that uh, go to that website and then also uh nerdist podcast alum chili gonzalez uh, sent me an email he says i've launched a nonprofit, all expenses paid musical workshop called the conservatory i will bring six musicians 18 or older to paris next april and spend a week with them not just pianists or classically trained people by the way uh, and he really just wants to spread the, the, the joy and the, what did he call it? The emotional science of music. It sounds amazing. Um, there is a, there is an announcement video, which uh, you can absolutely check out. If you just search for the conservatory G O N Z E R V A T O R Y, um, on YouTube, And it's just, it's on Chili's, uh, it's on Chili Gonzalez's uh, YouTube page. So there you go. Go do that. Be musical in France. I mean, come on. Why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want to do that? Uh, This episode is Ron Perlman returning for a third time because I adore him. He's promoting the new season of Startup. It's a series called Startup on Crackle. Uh, All the episodes are on crackle.com. Perlman is a phenomenal guest and not just a phenomenal guest, but just a dude you want to fucking hang out with. And I'm so fortunate that I get to hang out with him, but uh, Ron came to my house. Turns out we don't live that far from each other. So <laughs> well, now we're gonna get to hang out. And before you ask anything, no, I did not ask about Hellboy. So please spare me the, I can't believe you didn't ask about Hellboy. It's so many times people can't believe I don't ask for stuff, but believe it. Cause it's the reality. It just didn't seem... Listen, millions of people have talked about it. Uh, they've bugged him about it. He doesn't have anything to say about it. He, he You look at his most recent uh, AMA, he just said uh, he didn't really have anything to say about it and didn't, didn't want to talk about it. So, you know, uh, that's why I didn't do it. And but, but, but that being said, we had an amazing conversation uh, about a million other things. He has some great Marlon Brando stories, and uh, he's just... He's just a guy you want to spend a lot of time with. I'm going to stalk you, Ron Perlman. We're going to be friends, goddammit. I'm going to come to your house and borrow sugar. And even though I don't need sugar, I'm just going to keep borrowing sugar. And then I'm going to come in for a little sugar, if you know what I mean. Um, So this episode, Ron Perlman, also brought to you by Stamps.com. Yes, the post office uh, is a sucky experience as a consumer uh, because it's just there's long lines. And a lot of people don't even really know how the mail works anymore. Right, Because they're so used to that electronic mail. They don't know how IRL mail works. Someone came up to April Richardson in a post office, a young girl, and said, quote, how do I mail something legitimately? April would tell her how to get a stamp, put it on, where to put it. Stamps.com just lets you buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter package, class of mail. You click print, mail, you're done. Your your kind mail carrier comes and picks it up from you. You don't have to leave the house. You can stay a shut-in if you want to. Uh, and Stamps.com never closes. 24-7 you can do this. Plus, they're going to send you a digital scale that automatically calculates exact postage to help you decide the best class of mail for your needs. Even get discounts you can't get at the post office. All the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. Right now, enjoy Stamps.com with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com. Click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Nerdist. That's Stamps.com. And the promo code Nerdist, Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Here's the Nerdist podcast number 907 with Mr. Ron Perlman. Katie, roll the Pearlman.
1: Now entering Nerdist.com.
2: Very reticent. Do you have water? You need anything else? You good? Got cocaine. Oh man, I don't know. I not, yeah, it's not the '80s. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry. Did no one tell you it's not? It's not the '80s. But what was '80s Ron Perlman doing? Them bitches. Them bitches they didn't. They don't tell a person nothing. <laughs> besides Beauty and the Beast, what is '80s Ron Perlman doing? '80s was Be- Beauty and the Beast, baby. Yeah, but besides that, what? what, what did you what? just say Beauty? And the Beast? I did. Yeah, but I meant is that like That I heard it? You did hear it. Yeah. I heard it here from You were on the show called Beauty and the Beast. Do Ladies you remember it? James. Do you remember it? Uh, vaguely. What it was so like Which one was I? Do you you were Oh boy, that's a great question. You could, I could have been did either depending the on the point Linda, of
0: view. Linda Hamilton's back in the Terminator. Linda Hamilton's back in Terminator. How how freaking Can I say fucking? Yes. How fuck how freaking cool is it? <laughs> I like that you back She is she is, <laughs> she is such a dear dear. Dear dear, dear human. That's awesome. I'm so happy for her. That's going to be great. Yes. That that
2: transformation between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 was spectacular. It was, man, it was.
0: And then what happened? But man. anyways, <laughs> Hey everybody. The 80s. So what was is The 80s of Studio 54? No, that was 70s. See, I get I get it. Sunset all. Strip was 80s. Which 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 was the Joe DiMaggio years? Those what those, those, those were, like were the, the days, 18... my friend. We thought they never. I'm
2: oh, sorry. Are you still karaoke
0: Did I uh, did I hurt your ears? there? No. okay, it's fine. We just have, to, a, just we have a, here. an adorable little engineer here. Are you are you uh, are you uh, as adorable as they say? No, are you? <laughs> you are the engineer, right?
2: She's the engineer and the producer I mean, and the. Yeah, so, she does everything. She does the catering. She does the ca- She does that. She does. Uh, she does some light therapy. She'll, she'll. She'll. listen to all your problems. She's a good sounding board.
0: You know, if you're gonna be the, the all the things that he just described you as on a podcast, you better do a little therapy.
2: You, she, I feel like Katie. Boy, it would be so interesting to find out. Like, do you have? Do you go to a therapist and go? Oh, and then I had to listen to these fucking assholes. Nope. <laughs> how do you? How do you purge? That's fantastic. That's fantastic. That's yeah. part of what he has to do is listen to the stuff that you give So he you. goes to therapy, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they have a lot of uh, comfort animals. It's They're so good animals. to see you, man. It's, it's good to see you, too. too. I know. I what, know. What what have you been up to besides this Crackle series and randomly <laughs> seeing you at, at premieres? Oh, God. I don't know. Pick a, pick, pick a topic. Um, What... Is your favorite Sunday? What's your what's Ron Proman's perfect Sunday? What do you
0: do when you get up in the morning? Um, I, I like to go to the gym on Sunday. Nice because it's only amateurs in there on Sunday, and I love <laughs> watching people drop weights on themselves <laughs> and spill sports drinks on their on their perfectly ironed. Running, do, running pants. Do
2: people? <laughs> do, do people who irons
0: their running pants? That's what I mean. That's that's. A, you only get that on a Sunday in the gym. Jeez. So I go to the gym. Yeah. Hang on, I'm not done talking. that. I'm sorry. Anymore. I apologize. but que- que- that yeah. was your whole day. You ask me a question? No, that's just just how it started. No, okay. I I actually get up hours before the gym because mm-hmm. I'm I'm suddenly I can't sleep anymore. I wake up like five thirty, six o'clock, and I tweet for an hour or two. Yep. Very healthy. Watch some news. Get 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 more ammo for tweeting. <laughs> get angry and angry and angry. When I get my blood pressure up to about one ninety over hundred and seven, mm-hmm. I go to the gym. That's and work it out. And I try to see if, like, if I can bust a a, a, a a vein in my forehead.
2: <laughs> and then after otherwise the gym, known
0: as an aneurysm. I think that's what they call that. Yeah, I think that's what they yes. call that. And then after the gym, boy, you're gonna have some stuff for your boyfriend when I get finished with you. He's really gonna have an earful tonight.
2: <laughs> Poor Anthony's going to have a fuller. <laughs>
0: oh, Tony, yo.
2: Hey, Tony, do you ever call him Tony? No. You only call him Anthony? Hey, Tony! Yeah. Try calling him Tony. Just one try time, it. See just go him. home tonight and go, hey, Tony, just and, see what he and does. I, and then give me a call. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious to see if he accepts it or if he's, he's like... confused. Would he? Yeah. Do you think he oh, would really? think that you were seeing someone else? Like, you just called me the wrong name. No, oh, Jesus. When he was like 13,
1: he like, had a month where he like... <laughs> <laughs> asked him and he's like, yeah, I tried it, and I hated
2: it. Didn't like, like it. Yeah. What about Ronnie? Does anyone call you Ronnie? Hey, Ronnie. A
0: few people do.
2: Hey, Ronnie. What's up, Ronnie?
0: I went through a very long period where I used to bristle when I heard people call me Ronnie. Yeah. Because it, it was like, um, was it was it with you where I talked about my, my, my life in psychotherapy?
2: I don't, probably, <laughs> but maybe not. Are you seeing other podcasts?
0: <laughs> No, I mean I never heard of Mark Maron or Michael Rappaport. <laughs> well, if you're talking about psychotherapy, it might have been Maron.
2: <laughs> it was probably Mark Maron.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think it might have been in my book. But anyway, um, Ronnie was the name of my shadow. Okay. Has anybody ever talked to you about the shadow? No. Of Carl Young? No. I think Carl Young invented the, the shadow. All right. What? Let's let's hear it. So the shadow is is you know is that Helpless, ugly, completely, um, to be shunned at all costs, little private secret place in you. Okay. That you, that you, you, that makes you have the worst (laughs) (laughs) self-esteem. Okay. And, um, in the psychotherapy of Carl Jung, as given to me by Phil Stutz, um, the, 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 the main um, centerpiece of this therapy is to identify the shadow and, um, and then become its parent and take care of it and nurture it and, 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 and tell it that it has absolutely nothing to worry about because you will protect it and love it unquestionably forever. Okay. And in so doing, you get, make him beautiful. This very thing that you couldn't so my shadow was Ronnie, <laughs> because <laughs> all, all those years, when, I, when, I, when the shadow was like, you know, not just a radio show, yeah <laughs> but you know, a state of being, it was everybody was calling me Ronnie. Now, when people call me Ronnie, and I'm 67 years old and I just have been through so much therapy and made so much peace with my shadow, <laughs> I love people who call me Ronnie. Because they like they really, it's like a real endearment, you know. It's like a, Ron is the professional guy, yeah, and uh, you know, and Ronnie is like, uh, oh, you squeeze him, you so. Well. So cute. He's adorable.
2: He used to be this ugly little shadow, and he blossomed into a
0: beautiful Ronnie. He's not in the shadows anymore. That's
2: nice. Yeah. So is that the? So the goal is to grow the shadow up and nurture it and make it. Are you supposed to? Are you supposed to merge the shadow with yourself, or do you keep it separate? How's that well, part? it is
0: yourself. It is, but it's a. Big, but it's the part of yourself that you found that you didn't want to associate yourself with. Okay. And by um, identifying it and becoming its, its benefactor, best friend, parent, and uh, guardian, mm-hmm. you have um, made peace with it in a, in a way that was, that is very, very proactive and that causes it to no longer have this hold on you, um, where you've, you've actually turned it into something loved and beautiful. That sounds Cause, interesting. Because everything that's loved is beautiful. Like the minute you love, the minute something is loved, all of a sudden they're not as quite as defensive and self protective, right? Don't
2: you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because you, it's it strengthens and comforts, and and then you don't feel uh, alone. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the maybe it's feeling alone. And when something's loved, it's not alone. But but I guess you have to love yourself, and that's a very hard thing to do.
0: Well, yeah. That's that's the oracle. That's the Greek oracle. The Greek oracle is know thyself, right? But it should be know slash love thyself,
2: which is a which you know. Unfortunately, can take years to figure out how to do yeah. that.
0: And either of them are both of them are equally um, daunting. So your that's ha- not what I'm here to talk about. Yeah, let's sure talk it is. about showbiz. Let's, <laughs>
2: it's full of little shadows, full of ugly little shadows. Who, yeah. Hate let's talk about
0: showbiz. What
2: do you want to talk about? How showbiz. About those Mets. I no, mean, that's not. That's that's that's, that's, uh, that's baseball. That is what
0: baseball. Is, I'm really um, good on that conversation. I'm going to let you lead, man. This is your this is your world, man. I'm just so happy to be wallowing in it, <laughs> as I always am. <laughs> uh, our, our conversations have been one of the one of the highlights of my measly little talent existence I'm so happy to hear that and whenever I hear like hey Ron wants to come
2: on I'm like oh my god it's great and people always love you're you're one of those guests where I will hear for months as people as the listeners kind of trickle in and listen at
0: their convenience oh my
2: god Ron Perlman was fucking great on the podcast they just you just have a thing you have a nice thing
0: well I didn't know what a podcast was till I met you that that's was, right I that was like like remember, I remember I came in a suit and tie. <laughs> <laughs> There's no cameras <laughs> to my first one. What is this podcast? I, I bet it looked nice for that. I comb my hair. I, I, you know, now you're in a robe and a I, bathing suit. I, 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 I trimmed my my nose hairs. <laughs> I was rocking and rolling, man. Let me ask you a question about nose hairs because they do get worse. Oh my god! They, 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 they. So the I'm other sh- night I sneezed. Yeah, I whipped my entire family. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's terrible!
0: What a horrible thing to have to have. You got to trim
2: that that's, down. That's
0: what happens when you get older. That's what happens when you get older with the nose hairs.
2: But you know, because I'm sure you, it's nice to hear that you're aware of it. Because I'm sure you know people I'd <laughs> be aware of it. Well, because don't don't you know people? that it's like sometimes how can you're swallowing. Not, them how can you not see with your that? The Or the morning. ear hair or the nose hair, and it feels like do people just not give a fuck or do they not? That's see? what it is. That's what it is.
0: Because by the time you get ear hair and nose hairs, <laughs> you're already shitting yourself. <laughs> So the, the last thing you were worried about mm-hmm. is a little hair on your ears. It's a good day if you only have that. That's right. And not. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah.
2: You're you're cleaning the shit out of your pants and you don't have to worry about harvesting your ear
0: hair. Yeah.
2: But do you find that, uh, are you happier now in your 60s than you were when you were younger?
0: I'm 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 happier. I'm uh, You're looking at, at a guy who can't be happier. I mean, I guess I could be. A little but I, I am so happy, it's insane how happy I am, personally. Um my knees hurt so bad <laughs> <laughs> that it's a kind of a mixed happiness. Oh of course. Of course. You know? Um I'm so sore all the time. But uh very much at peace. Very, 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 very um We never we never spent a, a podcast post book, the book I wrote. No did we?
2: No, I don't think so.
0: We should maybe um for the for the tenth anniversary of the book we should set that up.
2: We're gonna do that for the tenth anniversary. Yeah. What was what was the release date? Was it twenty thirteen or it was something?
0: About- Seven years ago, <laughs> so we, we're
2: coming we, up in three years. We'll do
0: the. Dip. No, it was about three years ago. We have seven years. We to have go.
2: seven years to go.
0: God only knows. So right after, what'll you... become of us? <laughs> Think of the nose here.
2: Listen, if there's even still going to be a fucking planet in seven years, you know that'll be nice. Yeah, that'll be a nice. That's a thought. fun conversation to have with, you. <laughs> no,
0: with so your worse. own kids.
2: where should I go to college? May not matter. Maybe yeah. you don't. Uh, you know,
0: there's going to be some beautiful oceanfront property in Utah. <laughs>
2: That was Lex Luthor's whole plan in Superman.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He bought all the Nevada coast. He bought all the, the land in Nevada, and he was going to sink California into the water, and then he was going to own all that beachfront property.
0: Those DC comic guys, man, they were prescient.
2: They figured it out them early in, on.
0: Them and H.G. Wells. Yeah, yes. Oh my, I just
2: watched Time After Time again the other night. I love that movie. Yeah. Do you, do you remember it, uh, Malcolm McDowell, David Walker? I do remember that Harry movie. Statement. And
0: I, I also remember having a conversation recently with somebody about. The subject of Island of Dr. Moreau came up. I was in a version of that. Yeah. And um, by the time I was in my version of it, which is almost exactly 100 years to the day when he published the story. Oh, wow. Which, which, you know, on on a fantasy level dealt with the notion of vivisection and gene splicing so that you could create um, a new breed of human, Mm -hmm. which was a combination of human and animal. Yep. Um, by the time we did our version of it, which was the third or fourth movie version of it, but the first time it was ever actually a reality. Right. Where there was cloning and gene splicing.
2: This was the Brando version, right?
0: Yeah, this was, for lack of a better title.
2: <laughs> this is the version where he was like, I want I want." And, to-
0: and just to give you a little uh, uh, coming attraction. Yep. Teaser. Mm-hmm. Of what our book conversation will be like. Yep. I worked with Brando on that movie a total of five days, Mm -hmm. and I turned it into two chapters in the book. (laughs) I stretched that motherfucker (laughs) out. You would think I spent 25 years with the fucking guy. Me and Marlon. That's what I should have called it. Five days does feel like it could have felt like 25 years, though. Well, um, you'll see. If you read the book, you'll see.
2: Well, just, just, just a little bit of a, how about just a little taste so people go, oh, I got to go read that. I got to go read those two chapters now in that book.
0: Whew. I mean, the stories are long and uh, they are long, which is why it wasn't hard to, 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 to turn it into two chapters because everything in those two chapters is absolutely word for word how it happened. But um, um, just a little tidbit. Yeah. I play this character called the Sayer of the Law. And whenever one of our experiments steps out of line, we have to have a trial. Uh-huh. And the Sayer of the Law does these incantations, as written by H.G. Wells, reading the rules uh, of what these this new community of slash animal humans, not to walk on all fours, that is the law, not to slurp but sip, that is the law. And he, just this long incantation. And I'm stationed next to Dr. Moreau, who's, you know, in this case, judge, jury, and executioner for any of these experiments that, that dangerously steps out of line because you have out of power, right? I decided to play the sayer of the law blind. And I went to the director, and I got permission to play him blind. And I went to the makeup guys, Stan Winston's guys, because the makeup on this movie was like the thing. Right, right, right. right. And uh, I said, I'd like to play in blind. Do you have these lenses that can make me look like milky and opaque? And they said, well, we have lenses, but they will unfortunately make you blind. <laughs> they are completely opaque. And that's the only one we have that really looks like the real deal. I said, cool. And that was the like biggest acting mistake I've ever made in my life because once you put them in, you had no idea whether you were in Poughkeepsie or, 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 or you know, Siena, Italy. Of course. You, and now you've committed to that. And you've committed to that. And you, and and then I found out that I get nauseous every time I put them in and take them out. So I decided to just keep them in once they were in. I put kept them in till lunch every day. And I would just find a rock to sit on, on, on my spot, which is on this rostrum mm-hmm. adjacent to the Dr. Moreau, who's sitting in a throne conducting this trial. And so... When Marlon Brando kept getting called back to the set, he had to walk around me because this rostrum was very small and he was 475 pounds. Oh, my gosh. And he just, I would hear him mumble shit like, Jesus Christ, this fucking fat motherfucker. What the fuck? Excuse me, I'm, I'm trying. And he, would fit, he would, like, have to move around me. Oh, no. And because I just couldn't do anything but sit there. And for five days this went down, Right. And so on the fifth day, we were finally winding down. We were finally getting ready to shoot the last couple of shots of this sequence. Um, they call him to the set. and I'm sitting on my little rock, completely blind. And he grabs me violently by both shoulders. And I go, ah! And I turn around and I hear him say, what the fuck is in your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And he says, wait a second, are you are you playing him blind? And I go, you're fucking kidding me, right? <laughs> You've been standing a foot and a half away from me for five days. You've been walking around me for five fucking days. You've been pissed off that I can't see you to help you get around me. For five, and not, you're just figuring out? He goes you're playing the sayer of the law blind, like justice is blind. I go, yeah. He goes, we got we got to start shooting the scene again. If I knew that, I would play it completely different. Oh, shh. <laughs> so that's just a little tidbit. And did
2: you shoot the scene again? No. no that's-
0: <laughs> the scene was supposed to take a day and a half to shoot it. We were on our fifth day. I mean, the studio was already pulling their hair out because, you know, everything was just complete clusterfuck.
2: <clears throat> but also, I mean... How do you have the presence of mind? Because I feel like most people, if Brando was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" You'd be like, "Mr. Brando, I'm so sorry." How do you? How do you have the the gut to say to him, "Yeah, what the fuck have you been doing the last five days? Like, how, oh, how do you how do you stand no, up to I, Brando? I,
0: I adored him so much. I mean, I I had I just fucking he was the only reason I was on the movie. Yeah, you, know, you know, at that point I wasn't looking to put on makeup anymore. And but I you know, to be to be in the presence of my God. I mean, he he was if you're a serious actor, you know, Brando is he's like Zeus. You right. Know? And to be in a vicinity where you can watch his process. Or hear find it. out in your case. find out find out <laughs> Yeah, hear it. <laughs> I took myself right out of the fucking watching game, didn't I? <laughs> You know, I never realized that. That was a, that was that was like a really fucking stupid ass shit. Um, but I was still able to be in his presence and 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 watch or experience the guy who created Stanley Kowalski, the guy who created Terry Terry Malloy, the guy who created Vito Corleone, who are you know those are three high water marks that will never be ever be. Equaled or touched on any level in term, If you ask any actor, well, people don't know how he did did those characters. He went deeper, um, without ever um, um, violating what the writer had in, intended on, on its most primal level. So he was he was really a god, and uh, you know he, he could do no wrong. He fucked with me. You'll see this if you read the book. Initially, he fucked with me because he fucks with people a lot. He he liked to fucking test out his environment. And he did that by testing the people who were around him to see what they were going to do, whether he could depend on them or not, or whether they were just going to be sycophantic, marlin, right. you know. And he tested me. And for a couple of days, I was like heartbroken with the test that he pulled on me. And then I just said, fuck you, man. I'm here to do a job too. And from that point on, it got good.
2: That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you are someone, I mean, every I think everyone really does need some kind of boundaries. I think people go crazy when they have zero boundaries. I think that's when people really go crazy. Like you need, and if he has zero boundaries, then it's probably impossible for him to know how to how to live or relate to people or work or anything.
0: Well, he was brilliant. I mean, he he he. he there was there were two sides of Marlon. You know, the, the, there was the side of him. That he wanted to project to the world, where he, you know, wh- where am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Uh, I didn't really read the script. Tell me what's in it, you know. And then there was the actual side of him that read the script twenty-five fucking times and knew right. exactly where he was and what he wanted to do. And when you are Marlon Brando or Marilyn Monroe or a couple of other people that exist of Bob Dylan, there's not very many you can name. Who to the world are so unhuman because they're in a, such an incredibly vaulted position? You tend to create games for yourself to figure out who, am, who 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 around me can I trust? Yeah, who's just sucking my dick? You know, who's just like bullshitting me? You know, and who is like truly like would have my back if we if, if incoming started, you know, happening. Right, and that that was my perception of why he was so good at at the, 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 this gamesmanship. Um, and I say that because I was obsessed with figuring it out. I was obsessed with figuring out like what what the fuck is your process, dude? Why can you Why can you do things that nobody else can do? You know, why are you Bob Dylan? Why are you Marilyn Monroe? Why do you have that gear that? Nobody else will ever have. Um, Did you figure it out? No, but I approximated enough for me to say, okay, I had the Brando experience, and that, and that's, you know, that's. I'm, I'm not trying to sell copies of my book. <laughs> Amazon <laughs> slash px. No, there's no, there's no code. Px ninety. Just, just go. <laughs> just, to sell. Just, go to, just go to Amazon. Look up Easy Street the hard way. Or not? I don't give a fuck. Or Ron Perlman? I got Ron Perlman book. I don't want to. You know, I can't afford to be in a different tax bracket as it is.
2: <laughs> Please don't buy the book. Pirate it if you can. It keeps me in a in a lower tax who bracket. Wrote, who
0: wrote that book called Steal This Book? If you can.
2: Oh, uh, Jerry
0: Rubin, right? Was it? It was one of the one of the yuppies. Can you look what it up? Steal this book if you can. Yeah, steal. I think it was just called Steal This Book. Abbey Hawk. Abby Hoffman, that was Jerry Rubin. They were they were buddies. They were best pals. Oh, that's fantastic. A- Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin. Yeah, they started the. What was the name of the organization? I should know this. This is this was my period. Yeah, you clearly didn't steal that book. Not not only was my period my exclamation point. <laughs> hey, it guys, was a, it was come a, on. Now it's a question mark. <laughs> I've I've gone through every form of punctuation. And your colon. When it comes to these things, <laughs> let's not discuss. Now the it's colon. more of a semicolon. You don't want. To, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to discuss the colon of a man my age. You think the nose hairs are um, taboo. The nose hairs get longer, the colon gets shorter. That's mm. how it is. Yeah, yeah
2: I wonder if um, part of what happened... I mean, I you know I know there's a whole other documentary about the making of that movie. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if, that, if what, hearing what you said, if he was testing boundaries and people were just going, okay, let's let him change the story and the script and everything because oh. they were too afraid to...
0: He, ne- no he, ne- he never said a scripted word. Never. <laughs> which, 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 you know, became problematic for those of us who were trying to, like, do take two. Of course. You, you know, the, our job is to match what we did in take one. And he just says whatever comes to his... And you have no idea, like, what it is you're playing to. Because he's, he's just... Oh, I did that already. Let's see what else I can try.
2: But I think... Do you think there's a short... Trip between, like, brilliant and just someone being an asshole. It's like brilliant and asshole. Like I
0: said, there were three times in his career where he nailed it. Yeah. Every other time was this guy fucking around. And those three times were Streetcar, uh, you know, On the Waterfront and Godfather Part One. And I'm pretty sure in those three instances, he said every word that was scripted. And he immersed himself in those roles, and he did not fuck around or try to improve them. And all the other ones, he had not that kind of respect for, well, if this is my theory, I could be wrong. But, you know, on three occasions, he went so deep. It was like, you know, watching a Mickey Mantle home run, you know. Right. Like, holy shit, that's, that's, that's the stuff of legend right there. That's the stuff of john henry kind of shit
2: did he do the same thing on apocalypse now was he just making shit up
0: was that your phone that, that i don't
2: know i know mine's off that's yours
0: i fucked up did <laughs> i come to your podcast <laughs> this time i didn't wear a shirt and tie <laughs> i knew better you
2: look nice though
0: but i forgot to take my phone off you still look nice got a nice button-down shirt on well i did some on-camera stuff oh earlier. you did you did on-camera stuff today too yeah yeah. yeah, I have this new show, de- startup de- debut. Yes, for Crackle. For Crackle, fantastic. I'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, this is this is uh, I'm pretty proud of this thing. Uh, startup had one season without me. Yeah, which was so phenomenal and such a strong ensemble that um, I even doubted why they thought they needed to augment it in any way, shape, or form. But you know. The role that they offered me was, uh, quite layered, quite something I had never done before, which is kind of like my obsession these days is to just keep expanding, you know, like keep checking off, not bucket list, but you know, this is a role I never did before. This is a psychology I've never kind of delved into before. And that's where all the fun is. And it's great writing, uh phenomenal ensemble, um, Adam Brody, Otmaro Marrero, Eddie Gafegi, and Martin Freeman. And um, this Thursday night, season two drops.
2: That's fantastic. And I I'm, mean, and I'm in that. That's I'm in an that. incredible I'm in cast, that motherfucker.
0: But I'm such a huge Martin Freeman fan too. <sighs> that guy's so good. He's so good. He's 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 in a class by himself, Martin Freeman. And when you watch his whole body of work and then you watch season 1 of startup you don't realize he could do he could be as dark as he is and he is so dark in startup he is so compelling and so you you like no matter who else is on the screen there's some great people on the screen with him you just can't take your eyes off this guy
2: Had you worked with him before
0: Never worked with him before or met him before And we don't work with each other in season 2 because we're, we're in separate storylines but Hopefully,
2: so you still technically have not worked with him.
0: No, (laughs) I'm still a bridesmaid,
2: never a bride, never, never a bride.
0: But a person can develop a (laughs) goal again with the musical theater. What does that say about me?
2: Who did I watch? uh, Oh, I went down a rabbit hole the other, the YouTube rabbit hole, and I was watching uh, Don Rickles roast Jerry Lewis. Uh, you know,
0: it's really easy to go th- get, get on to the the Don Lewis fucking the, the sidebar.
2: Don, like, oh, I want to see, the, the, oh, I want to see him, you, Rose Carson. Now, I want to see him. You,
0: you just you just YouTube one Rickles thing, yeah, and three days later, they're like slipping meals under the mm-hmm. door to you. You know, like you're still watching.
2: I mean, it's the kind of killing where he's killing so hard that people are like slamming their hands on the dais. You know, mm-hmm. like he's and he's literally can I mean seemed like the only guy that could actually insult Frank Sinatra. And Frank seemed to think it was amazing.
0: Well, you know the story, right? What? Which one? The Sinatra, Don Rickles story. No, I guess not. Uh, so Rickles is, is at the Sands Hotel, I guess in the either 50s or 60s. And he says, Frank, I'm seeing this girl tonight. I'm having dinner with her. And I'm on, like, third base. I really, I'm, I'm really trying to close the deal. You're playing tonight. Could you stop by the restaurant around a quarter to nine? Right? Just stop by the table. If she sees that I know you, boom, I'm in. (laughs) She says, sure, Don, whatever. Sure enough, quarter to nine, Sinatra walks by the table. He says, hey, Don, how are you? Rickles looks up and he says, Frank, I'm eating. (laughs) (laughs) He was such a fucking genius. So I don't just, think I don't think he ever wrote anything down. I, I think that he was one of those guys that lived right on the seat of his pants. I think that pretty much he took to the stage. He probably had some stuff that was planned out, but I think that pretty much almost everything he did, said and did was was on the cuff.
2: Yeah, and he would never. Unfortunately, he would he never wanted to do any sort of podcast to talk about any of this stuff because I guess he just thought, oh no, you just do comedy, you don't talk about it. However, I met him at a party. And it, it, I was, it was at Craig Ferguson's house, and Craig introduced me to him and said, oh, Chris is a comic. And he was sitting in a chair, and he was like, oh, come down. So like I, I literally just knelt down, and he talked to me about comedy. And I just felt like saying, you're doing it now. Let's just record this. And yeah. it, was, it was so insightful. He was so sweet and warm and lovely.
0: How long before he, was, he had passed was this? This was in 2010, I think. So it was a
2: few, few, handful of years. Yeah. It was a few years. Before he passed away,
0: because I, I, I started to get to know him, um, maybe around 2010, maybe a little earlier, and I and I kept seeing him in public all the way till the very end, and you could see the decline. Yeah. What I find with those guys is that they um, they don't want to talk about a lot of things until they know that they're going home, and then that you can't stop them from talking about it. <laughs> I found this to be true of a lot of people who, like, within six months of, of their, you know... Right. ...passing on would become, you know, just you couldn't shut them down and you couldn't stop them from talking about their lives and, and watching them cry and shit. like It's almost like they had to get it out before it's,
2: they... The, the eerie thing about that is that, it's, that their their bodies seem to know... Yeah, that that stuff weirds me out because I'm not I'm not uh, religious in any way, and I don't believe in any kind of weird. You, I don't know. I don't believe in anything like that. But but like six months before my dad had a heart attack and died, he started like getting all these pieces of his life in order. I mean, it just maybe it was a coincidence. But when you sort of but when I look at the timeline of everything in the last like handful of months of his life, it's eerie. Like all the things that he kind of went around in his life and wrapped up, mm-hmm. and by he was seventy two, perfectly by as far as he was concerned, healthy. Like didn't you know? Mm-hmm. Went to the doctor, had his gallbladder out, but that was it. But it, it, but it almost makes me think, like, oh my god, does your body know it's coming? You know, like before your brain has any concept mm-hmm. of what's what's gonna happen.
0: Yeah. No, I. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's fair to tell the story. But um, Charles Durning, the great actor, yeah, was a he- heavily decorated veteran, landed on Omaha Beach, watched dozens of his guys go down, saved dozens of his guys, brought them to safety, got, you know, shrapneled up the ass, lived through it, got out, turned into an actor. And I got to know, you know, I knew him over the course of years. And whenever you brought up his military service... He would change the subject. he would just start telling jokes because he was like you would have loved him. he was like he knew every joke ever told, and was happy to just sit there for three hours and just swap jokes with yeah him. and about three four months before he went away, I uh, was on a movie with him, and I would sit down in the chair while they were waiting while we were waiting for them to light a shot, and he would just start talking about. How he hasn't gotten through a night of sleep since nineteen forty four without waking up and shuddering and crying in his wife's arms and she having to rock him back. And the price that he paid, but he kept it all in. He wanted he wouldn't want and suddenly when he knew he was going home, he couldn't get it out fast enough. Oh wow. And sure enough, and you know, and he would sit there, this was a brave dude. This was a real fucking OG. But he would sit there and shudder and and cry and and like all the guilt of like watching his friends go, and then whatever he had to do to just get get on with his life and live a life and have a and 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 have great humor and positivity, he went and did it. I mean, this is what Brokaw was talking about by the Greatest Generation, you know, those guys, those World War Two guys. You never, if there was PTSD, I guess there was, but there was something about their makeup where they were able to just get on with it get on with stuff i'm sure that there were a lot of people i'm sure i'm i'm over over generalizing but um it was it was insane i mean i felt so honored to be able to 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 see this person who i already loved who was um desperate to sort of get his house in order emotionally. Did he know
2: he was dying or was it was it very
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think you, your dad did too. Must they must and have. There's there's there's, a, there's a something that's going on that they're not letting on. But they know they're getting close to going home and and they start doing things that, you know, that are uncharacteristic with the rest of their lives.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean 100 I mean 100% a, a I mean that it seemed like that and but maybe it's Maybe it's that last, you know, your bot, you know, eh, hey, I need to be heard, and I need my story out in the world before I go, because it just needs to, you know, it's Mm -hmm. that that need to spread your, you know,
0: like your emotional DNA, I guess. For like, I don't think it it was that with Charlie. I think it was just unburdening what he was, so he he could go. What he was, what he was, you know, holding in, and. You know, obviously, the price of him holding it, and nobody knew about it except his wife on those, you know, night after night, her having to, like, you know, rock him back to sleep. Yeah. Um, I just think he needed to unburden himself. I just think he needed to get right, you know, get get right with it all. And there's a spirituality to that, that that leads me to believe, personally, that... There's more to heaven and earth that are dreamed of in our philosophies, young Horatio. <laughs> I
2: hope that's the case. I really want that. It would be great. That would yeah. be great.
0: Well, when I, if I get there, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, send, you, I'll send you a tweet. Stay, I feel like you'll outlive everybody. Stay by the
2: Twitter machine. <laughs> I think you'll outlive everybody. You'll be like 150-year-old Ron Ron Proman.
0: Look. Look, Ron died 3 weeks ago. Look, I got a tweet from him. I got a DM from him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a picture of nose hairs. It's just
2: it's like Rapunzel style, just as <laughs> just unfurled all around, uh, just wrapped up. What was
0: how was how was Don the last few years? Don Rickles? Rickles, yeah. Um well, he was beautiful. Whenever I would see him, he would just like, you know, I would get 10 minutes unsolicited. You know, it's like um, he would he would roast me. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful to be roasted by Don Rickles. Oh my God! And nobody knew about honor. it but me and a couple of the friends I was with and him. You know, it was not done in the Friars Club or you know on Dean Martin's. You know, right like in the light of day. But I got fucking roasted by Rickles, man. That's pretty huge. And I, I mean, the first time I ever engaged with him in a restaurant here in L.A. I walked over to his table. It was my 60th birthday. And uh, I was out with a few of the guys and stuff, and we saw Rickles. It was like 11 o'clock. Everybody in the restaurant had gone home except his table and, and ours. And we pay our check. And, I, and I, as I'm walking in, I said to my guys, I said, I got to fucking say hello to Rickles, right? It's my birthday. I mean, I get to do whatever I want, right? So I walk halfway across the floor. And as I get halfway across, I said, excuse me, Mr. Rickles, may I approach? (laughs) And between there and me getting to the table, he fucking roasted me. He went through like 20 years of my career. Oh, he knew you? Completely. And he (laughs) he, he ended up by saying, this is a man who will do anything for money. Because he listed all these really lame projects (laughs) that that, that he knew about. And I turned to my guys and I said... I can die satisfied <laughs> That was it. That's I've all been, you needed. I've been roasted by the best in the business. On your 60th birthday. And then I kept running into them in, in restaurants like that. I remember we were in a different restaurant. It was like Father's Day. And my family was taking me out. And at the next table, there was like 25 seats. They like put a bunch of tables together. Huge party. And um, as I... You know, I took a glance over, and I see all the way in the corner, among these thirty-five Jews, <laughs> you know, is Rickles, and I go, "Hey, hey, Don, Happy Father's Day." He goes, "Hey, how are you?" He said, "I said your family." He says, "No, they kidnapped me. <laughs> Call the police." <laughs> <laughs> Nobody at the table was laughing. <laughs> Nobody at that table got it except me and my family. It's so interesting to me that when
2: like Rickles and Joan Rivers, like two people who had very caustic senses of humor, were two of the loveliest, sweetest
0: yeah. human beings. Well, you find that about comics. I mean, comics are the most sensitive, you know, people who like feel things deeper than everybody else. And, of course. And that's where all the humor comes from. And you know, that's where the gallows humor comes from. Great comics, man, are, are the most feelingful, sensitive people who've ever lived, and being funny was their defense mechanism. Yeah, was to their survival t- tactic. I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's funny now when, like, when you see if you see a young person hear an older person's joke and go, oh, "You can't say that; that's offensive." Like, oh, you haven't been you haven't been kicked around enough. <laughs> Just wait; <Yeah. laughs> you'll think you'll I think this is funny in like twenty years.
0: Yeah. Oh. Uh,
2: is that's where your is that where your sense of humor comes from?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's very, very highly chronicled in the book too. I mean, we may as well just segue right into the book. Right. Now. <laughs> fuck, fuck the tax bracket. Let me let me sell a couple of books now. You should. You but, should uh, sell a couple of books. But, uh, yeah. It's it's very much so. You know, not to belabor it, but yeah.
2: How often? How much do you work versus? I mean, do you try to work nonstop all year, or do you like work a little bit and then like take? Take time off.
0: I'm working a, a lot now, and I'm enjoying the shit out of myself because I'm working on, I'm only doing things I love. Yep. And there are so many things that are coming at me that are really interesting and really good. You know, I started a, my own film studio, so we've produced seven movies in the last three years. Jesus. And, and basically it was always a fantasy of mine to be the shot caller, to be the guy who picked what we're going to spend money on making. Yeah. And I made a few mistakes in the early going, you know, because I wanted to just join the club. Sure. But lately, I'm only greenlighting stuff that I think is just fucking mind-bendingly interesting and original and and great. And sometimes I'm in some of that stuff. Sometimes I'm just producing it. But I'm having a ball. I do like, uh, after a a heavy-duty gig, a couple of week breather because you just got to recharge the battery and clean the palette and stuff and... And I'm, I'm, I finally learned after all these years how to do nothing and be happy.
2: Oh, know? how do you do that? What is it? What's the secret? Well,
0: I think it's basically just you know you, you 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 grow older. I mean, I don't think there's any big secret to it. You just grow older and you just start liking your own company more, and you just don't need to be animated in order to be happy.
2: Oh yeah, I think that's it. It's not. It's not the desperate. Need for attention or the desperate need for constant stimulation. Yeah.
0: Or distraction. Because, you know, when you're working, you're it's the ultimate distraction. You don't have to worry about any of the realities of your life. Right. You know, like like your accountant is and your <laughs> wife is and your children are. You know, you're just in some, like, never-never land, you know. Right. With Tinkerbell, you know, and it's like of uh, the boy who never had to grow up. So working especially in our business, is a state of grace. It's like, you know, it's like a, a deferment from, from the bullshit. You right. Know, which is why we love to work so much. What, do you, what are some of the things that you're producing right now that your studio is producing? Um, so I just produced two back-to-back movies in New York. One is called To Dust. Okay. Um, with uh, Matthew Broderick and Geza Rohrig, the actor who was in Son of Saul. Uh-huh. And then I produced uh, a movie called Asher, which I star in, directed by Michael Caton Jones, and that had Fomka Johnson, um, Richard Dreyfus, Jacqueline Bissett, Peter Fashionality um, um, my my brain um, is 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 fried right now, but there's just nothing but great actors in that
2: as Re- Richard Dreyfus seems like the greatest guy
0: he's really really, really very very down to earth warm loving human who you can't love the business any more than he does and who so you know if, if I ask him a question about hey on the set of Close Encounters there was that one day he will fucking regale you <laughs> and, and for me who's like a film freak being regaled by that guy who's arguably been in some of the you know coolest movies of, of all time I'm in heaven and, That's fantastic. and we got to be, you know, I hadn't met him before. We'd been in the same room before on a couple of occasions, but here we were working head-to-head um, for a few days. And I, I actually consider him a friend. I mean, he's just, he's so warm and, and generous and and huggable.
2: That's nice. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Because it I think it, you know, hearing that someone whose work you respect ends up happy or is a good person or isn't jaded by the whole thing it's kind of a nice road map so you can go oh, yeah it's possible to not uh, yeah. you don't have to turn into a bitter pile of ashes
0: yeah no he's 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 aging quite gracefully and he seems to have a a great deal of joie de vivre still intact yeah, which is nice
2: my, my, uh, my ex-girlfriend from 10 years ago went to see a screening of Tootsie at the Cinerama Dome and um, it was for this part of this film festival and Dustin Hoffman was there and he spoke after the movie and she said it was like the greatest because he was so he, he wasn't uh, dismissive of it at all like he just loved it and embraced it and had great stories yeah. and that makes you I don't know, it makes me happy to think that oh okay, this wasn't just a because sometimes people go, ah, it's just a job you go. That's it. Yeah, it's just a job. Yeah, oh, all right.
0: Those people are full of shit.
2: <laughs> okay, good.
0: I'm That's telling funny. you, man. I'm telling you. You, you know, you, they'll say it, but don't believe them. Okay. Because if they really do mean that, they got no fucking right being in this business. Right. Yeah. You know, fuck you. <laughs> this is a fucking privilege, man. <laughs> Did you ever? We are standing. I said this many times. I'll say it again. I probably even said it on on the Nerdist. But we are standing on the shoulders. Of geniuses, anybody who's in this business right now. Yeah. And if you don't get that, if you don't get how, you know, uh, rarefied the air is that you're breathing as a working entertainer in the the film business, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. (laughs) That needs to be your Twitter.
2: That's the bio.
0: Oh, no, I tweeted that out 17 times already today alone. (laughs) I'm a very angry guy. Chris. You know that he about me. He says with me. a smile. You know that about me. I mean, I is, got a lot of reasons to be angry.
2: Is there a I mean, it you know, we've
0: covered some of them. We've covered just a few of them, but there's still so much more. That's oh my why this
2: God, is a special 7-part podcast, it's unending. It's, it's unending. It's infinite. Do you it's quicksand. It, do you think it's good to have social media for you? Or do you feel like, I don't know, I'm spending a lot of energy on something that maybe isn't... Because, you know, you get upset and you go, okay, well, I'm just going to go tweet this out because I'm pissed off about something. Is that healthy or do you think that that's not healthy?
0: I'm trying to make my peace with that right now. You know, I know I, I, I do it to, the, to a degree that can easily be considered unhealthy, <laughs> even by myself. Sure. The fact of the matter is, though, um, like if you told me 10 years ago, Twitter... Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like the fucking Twitter king. I mean, I'm just like, I can't stop myself, you know. Um, number one, I'm obsessed with the world in which I live. And Twitter is the fastest communicator of what exactly is going down. The minute somebody dies, like like I knew Prince died the minute it happened. Right. He, he went like this. <sighs> Boom. Trent. Somebody tweeted, tweeted yeah. you know, R.I.P. Prince. Right. Artist. you know so it's good for that but also we are really in a in a in a period right now where there I feel like we've lost our way in so many in so many ways and I feel like we've gotten so far away from our better angels and I'm not saying this blanketly because I think that there's tremendous amount of good in the world but the tail that's wagging the dog right now is fucking corrupt and and fucked up and 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 sten- has a stench to it that is outrageous and it is, that is co-opting our better angels and that is becoming normalized and desensitizing and and all those things and I feel as though as a father of two who basically has had a great life and I don't need to you know worry about me anymore. What I do need to worry about is. is is the, is the world that I'm passing on to my kids and hopefully their kids, if there is a world for their kids, that I have to participate, and I have to be vocal, and I have to make sure I fought as hard as I fucking could for the things that I think are important. I, and, I, I, and, and I say that unapologetically. And it took me a while to get there because you take so much incoming, you know, like, you're an actor, stay in your fucking lane. Who gives a shit? Just tell jokes, you, right. you cocksucker. This is affecting people who no, normally wouldn't be speaking up, and uh, it's affecting the quality of our our very existence. It's a threat to, you know, the fundamental tenets of democracy. Um, it's a threat to our First Amendment. It's a threat to our, any any semblance of decency. It's it's uh, it's horrific. And I, you know, I, you know, I would, I would never be able to live with myself unless I felt like I was doing every single thing I could to stand for what I think is important. And that's actually, and that's helped you a lot. No, that, that's that's the takeaway. When you ask me like about the, my overall. Outlook yeah, but social on,
2: media has helped you a lot with that. As well, opposed I, I, to if I'm, were I'm using it 20 years ago,
0: like I mean, 20, I'm I'm using it very very proactively as 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 a way for me to articulate to myself. Number one, like what, what do I truly believe in. And then if I feel strongly about it, I share it with the world.
2: When people say, fuck you, you're an actor. Shut up, you dumb cocksucker, whatever. Do you engage with them or do you just go, eh, unfollow? You know, do you kind of just kind of spiritually go, oh,
0: unfollow me if you don't like it? Shit. Well, if 300 people say it to me. I engage with maybe one or two <laughs> and then I let them, like, you let them fight it out, r- you know, place tab a into slot B, <laughs> you know, like it's like a Ikea, you know, just go back to the original, the original five instructions, right, 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 right. Which is go fuck yourself. You just, you just put a fucking reality show clown into the highest office in the land and you're telling me I don't have a right who combs his hair the way he does. And you're telling me I don't have a right to fucking have an opinion, right? Are you kidding me?
2: Well, yeah, that's it. You know, yeah, it is kind of interesting. You know, people people say they want to. I don't know. It, it, it's just such a strange period for humanity, and I just and the planet. Yeah, but I mean, just from, and our safety. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, even and even with the way that we engage with the internet and the way that we engage with one another, I I, I worry I worry for for humanity sometimes because it's just so. It can as as much as we feel like. Oh, we're all coming together. I feel like the, the manner in which we interact is actually incredibly isolating, and I think is very, very dangerous
0: for people. <laughs> yeah, it's very. It's it's it's. Um, you know, in my book, oh, never well, interesting. What was that? Uh, is that on Amazon? Be able to find that Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> oh, interesting. I was just taking a guess. I was just taking a guess. Take a gander. <laughs> what else? What isn't available on Amazon? I mean, literally. I think that's Literally where he everything. got his, his cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't even Prime. He was just on the regular side. He just
2: got the regular delivery. They're not going to pay for Prime. Come on.
0: Ah, look what we got. Mnuchin.
2: I mean, Amazon, Price. Amazon. I, I, I wonder, at some point, someone's going to break that company up, right? Like, it's just too, it's a lot. Amazon is a lot, a lot of everything.
0: Is that, is it?
2: Is it like an antitrust situation?
0: I mean, we—you're talking about, you know, a world order. I mean, I, you know, count me out. <laughs> count me out of that discussion. By the way,
2: I am—I've been welcoming it. I love that I can just go get literally anything on Amazon. Convenience is really the enemy of
0: mm-hmm. progress. I still like the bricks and mortar. I still like going to the store to buy my groceries and and going to. Um, that's about it. I get everything else on Amazon. <laughs> You can get groceries, too, if you want. (laughs) I know I (laughs) could, but you can't squeeze the plum. No, you can't.
2: No, no, that's true. You can't squeeze the plum. No. You know what happens sometimes is uh, if if we're really busy, we'll order stuff to get delivered. And, like, I eat bananas all the time and like 8 times out of 10 the bananas show up and they're just like a solid green I'm like yeah. oh man yeah. it's the most privileged problem in the world I wanted to eat this banana now now yeah. I gotta wait 3 days if I would just gone to the fucking store I could have picked my own banana
0: exactly Excuse and eaten it right there in the I store I could have eaten
2: it in the store I'm not a wait are you someone you ever feel people you're like, eating the shit they haven't bought yet I always felt like that's a violation like you're not supposed to do that Are you you're an not
0: eat, supposed to do that are you an eater before you buy all the time
2: okay good <laughs>
0: I've opened, you know, jars of peanut butter (laughs) and said said to the person who's stocking the shelves... You got a spoon on you? Yeah, let's go.
2: Spoons are aisle four. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, pal. So then you're using a spoon that you haven't bought yet to eat <laughs> peanut
0: butter you haven't yeah. bought yet. Yeah, but I'm good for it. I mean, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take those things to the checkout. Yeah, they'll get checked out. And, and I've been can... shopping in my local stores for so long that they don't worry about me. That's nice. They go, yeah, Ron, he's going to. He's Ronnie. Ronnie. He's hey, gonna Ronnie. Pay, he's going to pay for it.
2: Ronnie can open the peanut butter in the aisle. It's okay. He's good for it. Ronnie's good for it.
0: But you know, not everybody can get away with that shit. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm don't, don't, don't be like me.
2: What do people say to you when they come up? I assume people come up to you and go, Hey, what do they, what do they say?
0: After that, nothing. That's it. And then they just walk they just away. just give me a, Hey, <laughs> I have a thing, um, where I play a game when, when I, when I, out of the corner of my eye, if I, if I see somebody make me, you know, like, Oh, oh my God, I have a little game. That by the time they actually recognize me and walk up to me, what project are they going to... How right are you most of the time? Uh, I'm I'm usually right about 98% of the time. <laughs> and you know, it's really easy to tell when the person's going to say, Police Academy 7. <laughs> 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 and there's more of those than you can fucking imagine. Really? Yeah.
2: That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you still get Beauty and the Beast. I'm sure not that much. Not as much anymore. A
0: lot of Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy is the Hellboy. Hellboy of the Wazoo, Um, and occasionally, like you'll you'll see somebody who's complete, like you know, you'll say, "Oh, he went to Yale." It's it's either going to be Name of the Rose or City of Lost Children. (laughs) Oh, wow! And
2: and I'm right I'm like 98% of the time. Well you've done so many different kinds of things. I'm sure they could form a psychological profile around the movies that a person would recognize you from like oh if you like these types of movies you
0: are probably this type of person. Yeah and you know it's it's like you know it's it's like people actually look exactly like they're supposed to when they've just committed the most <laughs> heinous crime. You get their mugshot, and they go, of course that person just <laughs> walked into a church. <laughs> that tracks. That was like an accident waiting to happen.
2: The, uh, you mentioned Name of the Rose, which I, well, I remember that movie from when I was in high school. I remember watching that movie. And I just became pals with Christian Slater, and oh. he's fucking rad. Yeah, he's, he's good dude. He's so funny and
0: cool. That was his debut, man, pretty much. Yeah, well, his mom was a casting director. His mom cast me in a bunch of stuff at New York long before before Christian was even born. And so she and I were kind of, like, tight. And then she gets, you know, she hears that I get on the movie and, you know, she says, keep your eye on my boy, will you? And I didn't want to tell her that, you know, <laughs> it was impossible to uh, find him because <laughs> um, I won't say why. But um, but For reasons. For reasons. He was very popular. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's such a nice guy.
0: He's such, such a nice guy, and I'm so happy that he's, that he's, that he's found this uh, very unique success with the robot thing. Yeah. What else are you
2: working on now? Me? Yeah, you got Startup, you got this book that's a couple of years old. You almost have to write a new
0: book, by the way. You know, it's the funny thing is this, this is how old I am. About a month ago, I'm working on the gym. And I I already know now That whenever I have a good idea I need to write it down Mm -hmm. Because in two minutes it's gone And I had the idea for my next book And I was never going to write a second book Unless I had such a cool idea That I had to write it And I, I had the idea Oh fuck I can't remember what it is God damn it but when I do, oh that's just going to be in search of that next book. So what am I doing? I'm doing. I, I, I produced all those movies. I'm producing more. I got more and more movies up in the pipeline. I'm doing the show for 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 Crackle, which, which I love. Which we go back into production in Puerto Rico, by the way, which is where we shoot in uh, January. If they're if they're back up on their feet again, I hope. And uh, and that's it. That's it, man.
2: And then the rest of the time you're just uh, living off the the land, chilling and being happy to be with to with Ronnie i to have great Broman.
0: conversations like this with people who uh, <laughs> I have great conversations with.
2: I mean, I when I saw, I, I saw you at that premiere last year for um, uh, Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. And and where to find them. And it, you know, those these types of events are very stressful to me because I still feel like I don't belong there and it's weird and I don't still don't feel comfortable. And so when I see someone that I like and that I know, it's and I saw you on the red car, I'm like, Oh my god! Yeah. And I think there's pictures of me actually just hugging you yeah, because I was pictures. so happy. There are I bought those pictures. Like a lifeline. <laughs>
0: Very wonderful pictures.
2: I really appreciate it. And you, you know, honestly, n- and now that, you know, we're kind of neighbors, you, you really should just come over and hang out from time
0: to time. It's really nice to be here with you, man. You it's, need to come back and it's hang a out. a cool spot. Socially. Thank you I'm so much. I'm not going to blow up your spot by talking about how amazing the house I'm sitting in is, but it is quite
2: amazing. <laughs> it's a fun, it's fun. We had some what fun. What year, what
0: year was this house built?
2: Twenty-nine.
0: Mine was twenty-six. Nice. Yeah.
2: Was a good year. Like they really. A good decade for for building, especially they, Spanish. Yes, in this part of the in this part of the country, that's kind of uh, Spanish. Yeah, and they Spanish built the shit out of homes back then too. This is like solid. We found uh, when we were just doing some restoration of the house, we found these really amazing things, and to the extent that it kind of made me want to open up all the walls, but we didn't. But we found like old strips of old
0: newspapers. That there, there was one wall you opened up where you, you, you found Geraldo Rivera, right? He was in there holding Al Capone's, <laughs> Al Capone's treasure. He was, These are Al Capone's balls.
2: <laughs> they were in your walls the whole time. I've been trapped in here the whole time. Whoever <laughs> thought he would put his balls up here? <laughs> well, that's the magic of it is that no one would have guessed. But here they are.
0: Good idea. And, good we, idea. and we have them. That's a good idea.
2: But we found, we found like, cool stuff in the ceilings and the walls, and uh, bet. and it just makes me want to... Have, have you ever opened up... Have you ever done renovation? We're
0: about to, to renovate my house. This is a long-standing dream of mine, and I keep putting it off and putting it off, but we're finally... Uh, it's upon us. Nice. Uh, I don't think I wanna be around to you see what's don't... on my walls.
2: Well you don't wanna you know we lived here while it was happening and I don't recommend that. No. But oh, uh I'll move
0: it out. But <laughs> oh, we're doing a, a complete like from street to street.
2: Are you gonna are you are you
0: gonna restore it to old to its original kind of state? We are going to definitely uh not only try to keep it in the exact same flavor nice. it is, but we're gonna try to enhance it even more and make it, you know Go all the way with the, cool. with the style that it was intended to be, because it kind of falls between um, a kind of a Mediterranean, yep, and a Spanish, yep, and um, we're also adding a huge amount of space onto it. Uh, That's cool. So do, do all the fantasy stuff that I want in the house, you know, I, I love the location, I love the neighborhood, I, you know, I I, uh, I love the street, and instead of going and trying to find some other new place, I'm just gonna give the house all this love it's always given me that's cool
2: because I I really uh, when you hear when you you see like an old Spanish house and then you look inside and someone's like totally modernized it it kind of breaks my heart a little bit like no no, no, don't buy a Spanish house if you're going to do that just go get a modern glass cube
0: exactly no I mean I just I'm just a, a complete Es- esoteric sucker for the warmth of Spanish yes you know the tiles the 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 the, the colors that are indicative of, and the
2: attention to detail yeah. of, like, all, all of the ironwork
0: yeah. all of the woodwork you know that's juxtaposed in a gray Spanish like hacienda kind of thing yeah it's my favorite kind of architecture so we're gonna double down on all that
2: yeah and you, you in these old houses you can tell so many of the that all the detailing was like well they had to do it by hand mm-hmm. you know there there was a one of the mirror, we have these sliding glass doors upstairs these closet doors and sadly one of them got misplaced during the restoration process so we had to make another one and the process by which they etched the glass like no one even does it anymore right and the tile that we tried to match it's very the the process to make the tile a certain color with a certain glaze they can't do anymore because of course it's horribly toxic but you know, it's like the but just the processes. There right. was so much artistry, you know. There was so much artistry yeah. in it.
0: It's almost easier to just replace it all with something instead of trying to duplicate it.
2: Well, it's it's impo- it's almost impossible to duplicate. You know, we did we did we did the best. I think we did a pretty good job. But it was uh, it's very it's very hard when you just you well, realize from what I've seen. This this house is spectacular. Thank you, I appreciate that. Well, let's we'll wrap up the podcast and I'll show you around a little bit, oh, and great. then you gotta and then you gotta come back. Beautiful, wow. Ron wow. Perman. Wow. Here's podcast. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. The end.
1: Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey,
2: grownups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast.